Last time on This Paranormal Life. I, you know, I long for the days when I, when, when an alien probes me. I probably got some goddamn interglactic disease. Junior needs sleep. He's got to go in the morning. Well, he needs to f***ing see this too, kid. <laughs> this weather balloon, whatever it was, was not the same material they had seen at Roswell. What? The original Roswell debris had been swapped Dude. out. Welcome back to the podcast, the Paranormal Podcast, where every week we investigate a brand new or sometimes old paranormal case. I'm your host for this week, Rory Powers. This is my paranormal uh, co-investigator, Kit Greer. Namaste. And what you're listening to right now is part two of a two-part episode series on the the Roswell incident. Quite possibly our biggest investigation yet. So I will say, if you haven't listened to part one, uh, please go back and listen to it because we are very much throwing you in the deep end on this bad boy. So I think one of the best things we could do now is let's just do a little recap of what we've talked about so far. Okay? True. It's been a whole week after all. It has. Let's look at the timeline here. Okay, sure. Debris was recovered in the, the desert of New Mexico. The military was called to come look at that debris. They showed it to the people in the town. Then the military came and collected that debris, claimed it was a weather balloon. Now, when people started saying that wasn't the original debris, they were being threatened by MIBs and government agents. It's true. That's essentially takes us right up to this episode. Wow, actually, <laughs> you can really shorten a lot of that shit down. It's true. Well, what was the <laughs> runtime of the last one? It was pretty long. I, I think, think it was around an hour, actually. Yeah, that was a radio edit. Director's cut complete with bathroom breaks. <laughs> It also includes us f***ing up the PA system at the start for 20 minutes, not knowing how to turn on the mics. <laughs> Me calling my mother at the top of the episode. So let's dive right back into this paranormal beast. Please. So the very last thing we mentioned on that episode was that now in 1978, there was a re-emerging pile of evidence that was coming forward about the Roswell case. And this was because Major Jesse Marcel had decided to go public with what he originally knew about the Roswell incident. Now, Jesse Marcel's testimony was only the beginning of what would soon become one of the biggest conspiracies in mankind's history. Suddenly, other leaks started forming. So Jesse Marcel, the guy who originally collected the, the debris, starts going out in public and talking about what really happened. This is just a clip from one of the many interviews he did around that time. Okay, let's hear it. I was amazed at what I saw. The amount of debris that was scattered over such an area. It took me a while to realize that there was something strange about it. But uh, the more I saw the fragments, the more I realized that uh, it wasn't anything that I was acquainted with. I proved I tried to burn it, it wouldn't burn. I, I, I tried to break it, it would not break. If it was something of ours, uh, that would, I'm sure there would be no reason to keep it under cover that long. It's an aerial spacecraft. There's another reason why it would not ever be known by anybody here un until they found out more about it. I sense that it was, there was a cover-up someplace about this whole matter. Pretty crazy, huh? Pretty crazy. I mean, here we have the guy who hand-delivered the debris to the higher-up military people, now confirming that he believes this whole thing was a cover-up. Yeah, a guy on the inside. So just like a pirate ship being bombarded by truth balls, leaks start spraying everywhere. <laughs> this was... <laughs> my dad said I my poetry sucks, but I actually work really hard at it. Um, <laughs> that took me a couple hours last <laughs> night. Uh, leaks start spewing out everywhere. Sure. And those goddamn men in black pirates could try hard as they may to uh, scoop it out with buckets. But guess what? There's leaks in the buckets too. <laughs> <laughs> Brigadier General Colonel Thomas DeBose, who was one of the highest ranking officers at the reveal of the Roswell debris. I believe in I believe in Halo. Uh, I've played enough Halo to know that Brigadier is pretty high up the, the military rank. Very high up. Have you, you've seen the photo, right, of when the debris was, like, laid out? The famous photo of the Roswell debris? If you haven't, I, I, like, I'll, I'll look it up for you right Please, now. Please, I, I maybe have. I just would need my memory refreshed. Again, this will all be in the Patreon research notes. Please go check that out. 
I believe this is actually Jesse Marcel. And this is what was revealed to press. Yeah, here's some of the photos. Sorry, this is Jesse Marcel here holding some of the, uh, the weather balloon debris. Well, after Jesse Marcel came out, he came out and he's literally, you know, the highest ranking officer in this photo holding the material that he also claimed without a doubt, was a weather balloon. But like Jesse, he decided to do a little interview of his own. So like Marcel's interview was already pretty bad. It's pretty right. damning right. for the uh, the 509 and the government. Right. So guess what this one's gonna be? It was a cover story. The balloon part of it is the story that's to be given to the press and that is it and, and anything else, forget it. And McMullen, if you ever knew him, he, if you told him that he wanted to run something, he goddamn sure ran it. He, he knew every facet of the operation. He's a busybody. He wanted, to, he wanted to know what the hell was going on, who was pissing on the sidewalk and all that sort of thing. What? <laughs> all right. Is this something about pissing on the sidewalk? <laughs> there's a bit of mumbling there. Is talk about piss. <laughs> It definitely seemed like a man at the end of his life. You know, in hindsight, I really should have cut it after the first line. <laughs> it was a cover-up. <laughs> then stopped it. But what we're seeing here is two men who were directly involved with the cover-up of the original debris coming out in public and saying it was a cover-up. This is crazy, right? It is pretty What crazy. more proof do you need? <laughs> That's not a rhetorical question, you little bastard. I mean, I I'm a little confused with... We have, on the one hand, Jesse saying in this interview that it's a cover-up. Right. But then you also simultaneously show me images of Jesse standing over the wreckage they showed the press. And he's, like, smiling. It wasn't... He, he's not confused in that moment about yeah. what he's showing the world. So I'm a little confused about, did he think that was the genuine materials? Was he led to believe those were the real materials or fake materials? Maybe he brought a bunch of debris and they were like, okay, thanks, Jesse. We'll lay some of this stuff out and get the press to take a look at it. They lay down all the weather balloon stuff. And he's like, he pulls the, the, the cloth away and he's like, oh, I, like, I guess this is some of the stuff I brought. I mean, you got to run with it because yeah. you work for the... U.S. military. Exactly. You gonna question your your leaders? I don't know a lot about the military. Hell, I don't know a lot about the law. <laughs> but you know, rule number one: you don't question the boss. Yeah, sure. I I mean, I guess. I mean, if if the general says drop and give me twenty, I'll drop him, give him fifty. Yeah, I mean, you you didn't listen to him then. <laughs> you know what they say: the boss is always right. That's what they say. And I'll do whatever he says. He says, go make me a sandwich. I'll bring him a burger. <laughs> I'll go one step up. <laughs> Every I'll, time. I'll <laughs> because f*** the boss. I know what he wants. He doesn't. <laughs> I can read between the lines. When my boss says, <laughs> mop the floor, I rip up the floor and relay a new floor. And hell, if it takes me a couple months, and so be it. <laughs> Yes, I may have missed the mission because I was ripping up the floors. Yes, my whole platoon is dead because I was the one to lead the charge. I've been unemployed since that first job. But I'll tell you what, I'll be damned if he's not proud of me. <laughs> he may not say it, but I know him best and he thinks it. He may not say it because he was actually one of the men that died on that hill. But, uh, <laughs> but I know deep down if he could see these floors, <laughs> he'd be proud. <laughs> They're like, his dying breath was f Rory. <laughs> So I don't think he was proud. You're right. He was a great man. <laughs> I, I believe it, that is a often misquoted. I believe it was, F yeah, Rory. <laughs> so now, as we said, we have two of the military men who were at the scene coming forward in their old, old senile age <laughs> and admitting this whole operation was a cover up. And admitting in the only moment in their lives when their brains returned to the, to the age of an infant that... <laughs> This whole thing was a paranormal event. And we know there's only two people in this world that I don't respect. That's politicians and old people. But in this case, I'm almost inclined to believe these <laughs> sons of bitches. So what if what these two men were saying was true? What exactly had the government covered up? Do you think it was just the wreckage or parts of an alien spacecraft? But maybe, Kit, maybe what they're covering up goes even further than that. What are you saying? You have no idea of the roller coaster that we're going to go down right now. What we <laughs> You got to be this high to ride it. Passes <laughs> me three J's. <laughs>
what we've done so far is like, uh, you know, when you're going up the roller coaster and it's like, you're going up to yeah, the dip yeah, yeah. and you think that you thought that was the ride. You're like, this is fucking wicked. Yeah. But you're just going up to the hill. It's when you're on Splash Mountain and they take you down that first splash. Yeah. You're like, hey, that wasn't so bad. Right. And suddenly you're being waterboarded in the the. the <laughs> In Disney basement by Mickey. Suddenly Mickey drags you out of the log backwards. Your family don't even see it because you're in the back of the log. You hit the water, there's a splash. Two white mittens emerge and grab you from the back of the raft. The last thing you hear before you black out is a high pitch. You awake in a chair. Mickey's holding out a red and a blue pill. And you better take that red one because we're going on this journey. And he- he says, what'll it be, Rory? <laughs> the idea of Mickey Mouse wearing those tiny little Morpheus glasses. <laughs> Don't even cover his pupils, let alone his eyes. Oh, uh, you can take the blue pill, uh-huh, and you'll wake up in your bed and this will all seem like a foreign dream, huh? <laughs> Or you can take the red pill and we'll show you how deep this Bugs Bunny hole goes. <laughs> See you at Walt's song. <laughs> The, the point the point of that little journey was things are about to get intense. Yeah. You see, what we've done so far is talked about the people who discovered the debris and the people who handled the debris. But what if someone got to it even before that, Kit? Back around the time of the Roswell crash, a man named Frank, yes, it's another Frank, that's <laughs> pure coincidence, Frank Kaufman was working as a master sergeant at Roswell Airfield. Okay. Master sergeant. I mean, There's the a man you can right trust. <laughs> yeah. He said he began working in Roswell in 1942, five years before the incident leading up to the event. So he's he's been there a long time. He's sure. been working at the base near Roswell for a long time. And and it, and it goes without saying, another man in uniform. There's a lot of hot men in uniforms in this yeah. story. I just want to make that clear. Absolutely. You know, you got your firemen. You've got master sergeants <laughs> walking around. Brigadiers. Well, he says leading up to the event, there was a lot of erratic movement of objects on one of the radar screens. Blips on the radar would just appear. And then flash to the other side of the radar. It was very strange movement. Wow. So yeah, the, he, he's slapping the side of his radar. What's wrong with this yeah, what's, thing? Yeah, what is it? Was there a storm outside or something? So the higher-ups basically said, all right, all right, we're going to go send a team down there, and we'll see firsthand what the hell this is. Sure. Frank is one of the members of that team. So he sent down there with some other military personnel, and they drive down to see just what the f*** this thing is. I can show you on this very detailed map uh, the approximate location of the, the site that they visited. I now, again, this that. will be in the research that. notes on Patreon. So if you want to see this juicy piece of goss, go check it out. Okay, so I think uh, Rory has, has shown me um, an in-game map from Crash Bandicoot. <laughs> yeah, but I can see some roads that are not labeled whatsoever, but I can see Roswell, right. then the crash site beside it, and then a little bit further on the debris site. So what this map is implying is that the site where the debris was recovered wasn't the actual crash site of the craft. Yeah. Debris maybe was spewing off of it as it cascaded towards the earth. Yeah, of course. And what these men are going to do is go to ground zero. They're going to the heart of it. What are you doing? Morse code. It's the red laser pointer on my chest. (laughs) Rory, bro. Execute, execute. (laughs) (laughs) So they're driving in the car. It was late at night. The car was driving slowly down the bumpy paths. Apparently they even had to cut through wire fences to get to this location. Wow. There's no roads. You know, this is off-road. Off-road off the grid. Off the <laughs> planet. <laughs> not, not off the planet, actually. I just got too excited there. They're still on Earth. They're still on Earth. The For cl- now. <laughs> Frank hit the nitros button on the Jeep. His it route. flipped 90 degrees and shot straight up in the air. Straight as a f***ing arrow. The, the twist is, he was the debris. The Jeep made it 100 feet before it crashed back to Earth. This was untested technology. This was very dangerous. Um, uh, so, so they're driving in the, in the dark, in the, in the desert heat. The closer they drove to this, this location... They started seeing a light in the distance. Huh. What kind of light, I wonder? He said it it almost looked like a halo. There is no military training for interacting with angels. <laughs> that's what we're <laughs> faced with here. <laughs> These are not the men for the job. 
Frank sees this glorious angel descending from heaven. He turns to his man. He's just like, all of my instincts and training say to shoot it. <laughs> no, it's it. That's an angel <laughs> from hell. What? No, he, he's going from up. Angel of death. <laughs> So Frank said that when they got within a two to three hundred yard radius of the site, they could see exactly what this thing is. Coming in at around 25 feet, Frank was looking at a strange craft that was embedded into the ground like it had been hit hit with force. Right, okay, 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 okay. It's dug in there. Talking about the incident, Frank said, The size of the craft, I would say possibly maybe around... 20, 25 feet in length, and and it was open and kind of halfway, and one one body was thrown up against the wall of the arroyo, the other one was uh, was half in and half out of the craft, and when we got in close, we noticed that there were probably three others inside the craft. I know this escalated quickly. Very quickly. But Frank is not some sort of drunken hillbilly hack. Sure. He did serve at Roswell uh, at the time he stated and the date. And even more on top of that, he even supplied to interviewers his research notes from the time. We're talking about actual top secret research documents. Right. I don't know how the government works. That's very clear. But isn't there some freedom of information shit? Isn't that how information gets released? Is it's like 50 or... Yeah, there's like a time. Yeah, yeah, there's a time gap where it becomes public. Yeah, like it's in the public domain. Yeah, I've actually got um my own little Freedom of Information Act called the Rory Act. (laughs) Go on. It's called I do and say what the I want when I want. You think you get to make laws over this government? My body. (laughs) Some people like my body's a temple. I don't put anything negative in there. You're like my body's a government. It is messy, it is dysfunctional, it is fundamentally broken and corrupt. (laughs) We have a serious waste management issue. (laughs) Are you trying to tell me you shit yourself? Yes. (laughs) Financially bankrupt. Morally bankrupt. (laughs) Fecally bankrupt. This is you in your doctor's office. I'll only tell the doctor what's wrong with my body physically if he refers to it as the state of Rory. (laughs) We saw panels of controls we 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 couldn't we didn't make we couldn't make them out. They were they were uh, uh, writings. We we didn't know what it. Uh, uh, we couldn't decipher it or anything of that nature. And the underbelly of the craft had a series of cells, you know, quartz type cells, sort of glass looking cells, octagon shape. Wow, that's pretty trippy. When he starts describing the technologies, he's got receipts. He's got the receipts, man. That's pretty crazy. Now, obviously, this story's taken a bit of a, you know, not even a left turn. Yeah, at this point, Mickey Mouse is just uh, <laughs> just slamming those red pills down your throat against your will. I don't know how much you knew about the, the story of Roswell, but me, as a naive, young, little, dumb investigator, a large part of me thought that it, it concluded and was comprised of basically just discovering that initial debris. Right. I didn't realize how deep this little rabbit hole went, and right. now I'm in it. And I don't know how to how to get out. I'm digging and I'm digging, but apparently that just goes down. <laughs> I'm pressed against the console. I don't understand the writing. I'm looking out the glass, and Frank's looking back at me somehow. <laughs> so, so what are your what are your thoughts? This is quite amazing to get this first-hand witness report. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it defies belief and you know even as a paranormal investigator someone who's dedicated their life to the profession right you know i find i feel that part of myself you know just you know you sometimes inherently doubt these people because you say what they're saying is just too crazy to be true exactly how could this saucer how could it be that obvious that straightforward that a saucer just crashed into the dirt and five aliens are just like strewn about the craft yeah but I mean, he's saying it, and he he was there, and he has the documents, and he and he like drew out the little hexagonal crystals he saw on the bottom of the craft. Absolutely, you know, it's one thing. Hey, you know, I'll I'll raise our hand and and say that you know we don't do these people any favors. You know, I, I see a name on here, and I'm like, oh, we got a testimony here from little Billy Joel, <laughs> and we do these crazy voices, and we make them look like 
you know, you know, not reputable members of society. But that's why these interview footage is important, because you get to see these people, these humans, quotation marks, if that's what you can really call them. What? what I, I, I don't know. I think him? I got sidetracked there. Well, I know he's not an alien. Yeah, I don't. I'm just I get excited sometimes. <laughs> All right, let's get back on track here. Now, one of the most disturbing things about this whole testimony was that Frank had claimed he could see the bodies had already started deteriorating. Really? So they began clearing up all the debris, loading the craft, transferring all the bodies to the base hospital. Now, one of the dangerous things about a small town like Roswell is that it is a small town. Sure. If you need resources or supplies, there's usually only one person in town that's got them. Very true. You know, you need your, your shoes fixed. You got a shoe man, a yeah, shoemaker. It's true. And you, and listen, and this is why the the paranormal commune, when we get this shit kickstarted, is going to be very small. Yeah. Because in a small society, listen, you can't piss anyone off because, you know, you piss off your cobbler next day, your shoe breaks, and suddenly yeah. the cobbler doesn't feel too great about fixing <laughs> your boots. Suddenly you're walking around barefoot. We forbid anger, but embrace grudges in the commune. <laughs> We really embrace the the power of a grudge. Um, and the also, paranormal commune's slogan, like state slogan, <laughs> will basically be "Never forgive, never forget." <laughs> and also, as we said, you know, it's one career per person. Mm-hmm. So please get to the commune as quick as possible because the best careers are going to go fast. Yeah. So we've already struck off the list. You know, um, king and candy taster. <laughs> candy taster. <laughs> We set up the commune and completely, like, get overrun by the power that we have. It's like, wasn't this supposed to be about the paranormal? Silence! Who has my Hershey kisses? All he does is eat candy. We haven't <laughs> investigated anything. Like, listen here at the paranormal commune. We didn't want it to be like one of those communes where the leader gets to screw everyone's wives. Anyway, candy tax! <laughs> uh, well, we're kidding, of course. The commune's going to be great. We're working on the setup right now. Um, you know, little bump in the road. We're both homeless. No big deal. We'll get that ironed out. Back to Roswell. <laughs> Our agent says that if we can't find homes for ourselves, what hope do we have of setting up a community for literally thousands of people? To that I say, Balder Dash. To that I say, you will be the blacksmith, sir, when you join our commune. <laughs> I'm a trained agent. Silence. <laughs> Silence. Where is your candy? <laughs> oh, God. I, I do want to say, obviously, I'm sure you don't need us to tell you this, but we've essentially done both of these Roswell episodes back to back. <laughs> We're in a tiny room with a f-ing, yeah, 12 packs of cigarettes, five mugs of coffee. And I don't smoke. Neither of us smoke. I'm just eating them for the nicotine Shoving them up my nostril. If I sound nasally, that's why. But this is the best way to get to the base of a, a paranormal case. you got to get mad, get weird with it. If you want to get to the end of the rabbit hole, you need to fuel up. you got to kill the rabbit. <laughs> that way he stops digging. That way he can't talk. <laughs> Jesus Christ. What are we even talking about anymore? Okay. <laughs> you want to get to the end of the rabbit hole? You've got to slit the rabbit's throat. <laughs> That'll shut him up. What? That's nothing to do with the hole. So deluded. Smug little rabbit. <laughs> uh, I think I'm actually going mad. I think we need to rein this puppy in. <laughs> I think the MIBs are putting something in the goddamn water. So as we said, Roswell's a small town. Everyone knows everybody. Well, it wasn't long after the alleged date of the crash discovery by Frank and his men that Glenn Dennis, the town undertaker, received a strange phone call from a member of the military. Hey, is this Glenn Dennis, town undertaker, Glenn Dennis? The, 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 the military officer goes on to ask a series of strange questions about what embalming fluids contained and how they would affect blood content. <laughs> These are the <laughs> days before Google. Like, they had no one to call. Honestly, no because... To look this up. Yeah, if you think about it, like, this is a small town and, like, the bodies are discovered and it's like, oh, my God, they're disintegrating in front of us. Like, what do you do? So call the, the guy who preserves bodies, the undertaker. But- Devil's advocate, though. I mean, do presumably the military 
if that's who we're talking about, yeah. they have those people. You would, yeah, I'm sure at some place in the military, there are <laughs> the scientists who specialize in, you know, the biodegrading human bodies. Okay. But we're talking about a dusty ass little airstrip, a okay. little airbase in Roswell. You know, these guys don't know what they're doing. They, like, I guess. They, they're out of their depth immediately. Yeah. You're not going to have the right people on staff to deal with grays dropping sure. out of the sky. At a, at a drop of a hat. Sure. So they start asking him about how embalming fluid would affect blood content, tissue samples. How would a, a body be altered? Because I guess obviously they... They didn't want to contaminate exactly, their evidence. Exactly. Glenn thought it was weird, but as an honest, chill dude, he just told them everything that they wanted to know. Sure. And they hung up. Wow, rude. But this wasn't Glenn's last interaction with the military. Because Glenn also had the official ambulance contract for transferring servicemen to the base. Okay. I guess he like runs an ambulance service as well as the undertaker and the whatever. Yeah, he's a one-stop shop for <laughs> dying Death. people. Yeah. Now, obviously, this was a busy day. And later on, Glenn had to transfer an airman over to the military hospital. But he was not prepared for what he was about to walk into. Whoa. As they were taking me out, there was a door that was open over to the left and there was a nurse coming out that had a towel over a portion of her face and uh, she looked up and she recognized me and she said, Glenn, get out of here. Get out of here as fast as you can, you're gonna get in a lot of trouble. Then the next morning she called me about 10 o'clock or so and said that she would like to see me, that she we had to talk. And so I met her out at the officers' club that morning. And uh, she was already there when I arrived at the officers' club. Uh, she was very upset, still crying, very hysterical. And then she told me what happened about going into this room. These doctors were there and there was some uh, two hospital gurneys there with the crash bags. One crash bag was two very small mutilated bodies. The other one, there was a very small body in a crash bag, but hadn't been mutilated as much as the others. And she told me the reason what they wouldn't let her out because uh, they wanted her to write down what they were examining. And that's what she was doing. And they all became very ill. They said that the smell, and it was a very toxic smell, and they just couldn't breathe and get their breath, and they had to get out. Jesus Christ. After all these years, all the pieces of the puzzle start popping out from between the sofa pillows, <laughs> hidden for all these years. <laughs> the jigsaw that, that you bought and you thought would be really fun, but actually took a really long time, and then you couldn't really find some of the pieces. So you called the company and said, some of the pieces are missing, and they said, no, they're definitely there, we check every box. And then eventually the pieces turn up years later. Yeah, but then you look really hard at the pieces, and then you're starting to think, Hang on, were these the pieces that we actually found at Roswell, or have these pieces been swapped out? <laughs> they smell toxic as shit. <laughs> I can barely breathe. The more people tell their stories, the more the truth comes to light. Chauffeurs for government officials claim to have picked up panicked and ill-looking politicians from the site. The daughter of Sheriff Wilcox claimed he was threatened by the military, who said they would hurt his family if they spoke. All of these stories started coming out of people having first-hand information with the aliens, with the materials, or with the military at this time. It's amazing. This is wild. We're kind of rounding down our conclusion, so I do want to just... Let's take a little pause at this point to just go... You know, I've thrown a lot of witness testimonies at you at this point. We've gone from just debris to full-on bodies. It's true. These witnesses do seem trustworthy on the face of it. Um, I have to admit that, you know, in the case of... The gentlemen, even the ones that worked at the Air Force base, whenever we were talking about purely debris, there was a lot of wiggle room there for error. Right. There could be hysteria feeding into this and that those people legitimately could have misidentified this weather balloon Absolutely. as a UFO craft. There's a lot less wiggle room when we're talking about alien cadavers yeah it's hard to kind of get those confused so either this is alien bodies or this man is insane right but as we said he's not the only one 
you know, giving testimony to the fact that That's they true. have seen alien bodies. We've That's got true. the guy who was at the site that recovered the craft saying he saw bodies. We've got nurses and doctors who were working there at the time saying that they were looking at bodies. I haven't even mentioned some of the politicians and people who were around at the time discussing bodies, yeah. memos about bodies, telegrams about bodies, I mean, recovered e- bodies. Even just this guy mentioning that he was at the Air Force base on business as usual and he was told to leave and then another member of staff that he knew said he had to get out he was going to be in a lot of trouble absolutely so yeah. something something was out of the ordinary jewelry isn't a gift you give just once it's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it blue nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. If you are somebody who loves all things spooky, then Real Life Ghost Stories podcast is the one for you. My name is Emma. I am the host of Real Life Ghost Stories podcast. And every week I bring to you three podcast episodes that are full to the brim with paranormal stories. Every Wednesday and Friday, I release a mini episode which is dedicated to the spooky stories of our listeners. And every Sunday, we deep dive into a famous paranormal case. You can find Real Life Ghost stories wherever you get your podcasts this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. kit when we bottle up our emotions it can start to affect us negatively sometimes it's important that we get stuff off our chest tell me about it i found a ufo in the forest and now this thing is attached to my chest jesus that's an alien Mm -hmm. all right i was speaking metaphorically about dealing with emotions and talking about our feelings by using services like BetterHelp. i don't need to talk about my feelings this thing can read my mind therapy can be a great way to set boundaries and become the best version of yourself with BetterHelp, you can get matched with a licensed therapist that suits your needs it's online convenient flexible and suited to your schedule we're saying they can get things off my chest, like uh, Zonktar here. Don't give it a name. Maybe me and Zonktar can sign up for BetterHelp together. Give it a shot, and whatever it is, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Paranormal Life today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Paranormal Life. Closing in, last little, um, last little scraps of evidence that I'm going to throw on this case. Sure. Just, Just you know, seasoning on top. Things to think about. In 1947, White Sands was the location, which is around here in Roswell, was the location used to develop V2 rockets. Really? Something that's come up on this podcast before. It's true. And Nazi scientists were used to test rockets around the area. Hmm. Now, we've talked a lot about Nazi scientists in the past and their relation to the Hollow Earth, to Agartha, <laughs> I don't to like the aliens. This twist. Look, that's just a, that's one possibility, all right? We're, we're at a, a, a fork in the road, all right? Okay. And one of them has a couple of government agents waving at you going, hey, come on down this one. Sure. Everything's going to be fine sure. down here. It's a safe road. And then you got a road <laughs> to the other side, and it's jaggedy. It's got it's true. It's dark woods. Perilous. It's got those, you know, like in the movies where it's like those red, thousands of red eyes in the bushes. Mm. But you know what those? Those are the eyes of believers. <laughs> and they're smiling. You can't see it because it's dark, <laughs> but they're smiling. And that's the road sometimes you got to go down. Well, another thing that's just interesting to note is that politicians running as recently as 2002 have commented on them themselves trying to request access to the Roswell documents or the release of the Roswell documents. And they claimed it's still to this day regarded as highly confidential, Mm. which it seems if you're going to go through all the trouble of trying to convince everyone that it was a weather balloon. If it's a goddamn weather balloon, (laughs) then why in the shit is it? Confidential. That's what I'm saying. What's so confidential about oh, a this weather balloon? Heavy, I can't flip it. What's so confidential about a weather balloon? Yeah, I can go on my 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 iPhone right now and find out what the goddamn weather is in a second. That's not confidential. Let's find out with the Siri. What's the weather like in Roswell, New Mexico? Okay, here's the weather for Roswell, New Mexico for today. It's hot as shit. <laughs> with a chance of aliens. Those are just some things to consider. Right. Okay. Now. As we do in all these episodes, I feel like before we go into a conclusion, I have to tell you about the other side. (laughs) 
Oh, f the other side go. of the the potato, the paranormal potato. Do not bury me inside this rabbit hole. It's it's worth pointing out that um you know believers in the paranormal, UFOologists, right? They are pretty split down the line when it comes to Roswell, okay. which is maybe something you wouldn't expect. Sure. Uh, a lot of uh, popular paranormal investigators believe it. It isn't actually paranormal at all. A lot of the witnesses that we've talked to today, some of them reputable, some of them questionable. Uh, for a lot of these documentaries and novels about Roswell, uh, one in particular, uh, over 200 people were interviewed claiming that they had some sort of contact with the debris or the aliens okay. or the government. Sure. And a handful of them were deemed w worth enough to, wow. to put into writing. Essentially, everyone in this town has their own stories about their contact yeah. and what they saw. Glenn Dennis, the Undertaker, was noted as one of the least credible people <laughs> in the entire investigation. Really? He outright lied about the name of the nurse. Oh, my he, God. He changed the story on the spot. So it's one of these things I wanted to bring up because, you know, we heard his testimony and it was very believable. Yeah. I told you about the phone call. It's, you hear all these things and then you need to know the, the truth behind it, whereas... Often, these people are just very convincing storytellers. So, Kit, this has been one hell of an investigation. We started strong. We started with a lot of evidence, some <laughs> testimonies. We went a little bit mad at one point. Yeah, That's I when I think the Lombardi really kicked in. Yeah, it tends to do that. It's very, like, sharp and short in its effect. Yeah, that's why the subline is the sleeping demon. Because once it gets poked, that bad boy wakes you up with the power of Ra. Usually in the course of a 90-minute podcast, there's a good 12 to 15 minutes. I don't remember. I mean, usually, you know, some sort of, of intoxication or a drug is an upper or a downer. Sure. This is a dupper. <laughs> it dips. It dives. It does loop-de-loops. I don't know what the f I'm feeling. <laughs> Lombardi is a strong drink is what we're trying to tell you guys. Yeah. But Lombardi aside... What are your thoughts? It is almost difficult with a case of this magnitude and this this degree of fame and this degree of emotional attachment for anyone who's even slightly interested in the paranormal to try and piece apart whether this is fact or fiction. And I have to say, whenever I knew that you were going to be covering the story, I really felt like the... You were going to f*** it up. <laughs> you did all right. Uh, I, I kind of... I felt like the evidence would really pull me one way or the other. Right. But god damn, I kind of feel like I'm in the same spot of this is very very mysterious. But before we come down to our conclusions, what if I told you You have a silver bullet for me? I have a silver bullet. Holy shit. What if I told you that there was one photo from the Roswell investigation that if examined properly could blow this case wide open? A photo that holds all the answers, if only we could see them. Wow, that would be incredible. So back in 1947, when the debris was brought out in front of the press and the photos were taken on that day, you know, you got everyone down there. You've got Jesse Marcel, you've got General Ramey, uh, all the higher-ups, the specialists who identified it as a weather balloon. They were all there and all the photos were taken and went out to the press. Mm. But... What people noticed later on was that General Ramey, who was very much in charge of the operation, didn't realize that in his left hand was a slip of paper, a telegraph, that he didn't notice was pointing the wrong way, and the information on the telegraph was being displayed to the front of the cameras. Really? This is a photograph that people, you know, as technology has has been evolving. Okay. People have been trying to digitally analyze, break down, hyper-focus, and, <laughs> and read the text of what is on that slip of paper. What does it say? Because that could hold all the evidence, you know? If, you if get, we even got, like, a couple words out of that, there if, could be if, something that changes the whole game. If you got flying saucer, victims, bodies, mm -hmm. uh, anything, uh, uh, any of those buzzwords, then, then this case is done. This is an open and shut book. So I have in front of you right now a picture of the original photo and then the enhanced image of the document. Okay, We're going to try I'm, right I'm now to see if we can work out here. what this is. So as you can see, here he is. Here's General Ramey holding some of the debris that they claimed was from a weather balloon. And as you can see in his hand here is the telegraph. No, I should qualify. This is the, the general here is taking up 
already a very small portion of this photograph. Yeah. This is this piece of paper is very small, very far away, very blurry. Um, this seems like a goddamn miracle if you could pull anything from this. It does, but thank you, science. This is what we've managed to get so far. What? That came, that came from the previous image? Are you this, shitting me? This is the previous image, blown up, rotated, and enhanced. Oh my god. So we're already getting close. You can not... What was previously a indecipherable blur is now a small sheet of paper with probably eight lines of text yeah and i'm not kidding people check out the patreon research notes all of these are going to be in here maybe you can be the one that finally cracks the code it's so frustrating that it's just blurry enough that you can't i can't believe they got this far but it's still not perfectly decipherable and i'm not sure whether technology will ever reach the point where we can see but this very trusty website, let me check the URL. What does that say? UFOcasebook.com. UFOcasebook.com. Shout out to those guys. Have obviously done their homework. They've studied the document. Okay. And tried to almost subtitle some of the blurry images to show what they believe it is saying. Mm, and of course, set all their prejudices and biases aside. <laughs> of course. The very trustworthy, unbiased people. Knowing that this telegram could be about literally anything and this guy has a complex career in the military. Exactly. Exactly. This is what they believe the enhanced document says. So the we've got two lines here. And the victims of the wreck. One of the phrases identified. Another phrase. In the disc, and that's inverted commas, in the disc they will ship. So uh, on closer inspection, I'm just trying to see how the blurry letters match up to these supposed phrases. I'm not going to say that doesn't look like disc. Yeah, that doesn't look. That doesn't not look like disc. Uh, quotation marks and everything. By the way, this is great podcasting. People gotta see what the f we're talking about. But <laughs> <laughs> if if we would say that victims looks like victims, what's the victim of a weather balloon crash? It's very huh? true. What's the fucking disc in a weather balloon crash? Where's balloons, Kit? Where does it say balloons? It is so infuriating that the key to this mystery lies within this one grainy photograph. This one little slice of time locked away forever in black and white. My dad still hates my poetry. <laughs> I use this podcast as like a sounding board. And then if I like it, I'll write it down and send him a letter. <laughs> I don't know where he lives anymore, though. So it's really hard to reach him. And actually, the podcast takes up a lot more energy than I really thought <laughs> it would. So there's no time for poetry anymore. If you had to make a conclusion yeah. as the investigator on this case... Where would you come down? Where would I come down on Roswell? That's a question that's haunted me for years, Mulvena. I've been investigating this for a long time. There's a lot of points where this story could end, and then there's a lot of people who pick it up and take it one step further. For example, I mean, let's go back to, to the, the, the first guy, the, the man who found the debris on the ranch. You know, wh why would he even do this? Why has he started this? The woman he showed it to, the material, Jesse Marcel showing his son and, and wife, all of these people are now linked into this story, and I don't know why they would have any reason mm -hmm. to make any mm -hmm. of this stuff up. Then, obviously, later on, we've got the people a little deeper in the government or a little more colorful, claiming there's bodies, claiming there's ray guns and whatever the hell, people disappearing. You know, that's almost another story entirely. Obviously, the question that we're asking ourselves on this podcast is not whether or not those alien greys existed and the bodies were recovered. It's whether or not the incident at Roswell was paranormal or not. It's true. I think the fact that the, these files are still considered highly classified by the government and the amount of secrecy that surrounded the events, I think that it is safe to say that... Yes, the Roswell incident was paranormal, people. Hell That's yeah. a yes. Hell That's yeah. a yes. Hell That's yeah. a yes, boys. <sighs> I'm right there with you, brother. Yes. I think I think there's... Th listen, sometimes I don't know if I uh, just want to believe so goddamn much that I've lost <laughs> my marbles, but there's just something I can't shake about this case that tells me that it's deep down inside, it's true. It's true. At the heart of this case, it is paranormal. So that is a big investigation, but it leads to two big double yeses on <laughs> this paranormal life. Oh, I am exhausted. <laughs> I am exhausted.
hell. I'm just gonna drink the rest of this coffee real quick to get buzzed for the outro. Holy shit, man. It's still hot! It's so hot! How is it still so hot? Your eyebrows are gone. Oh. Why isn't your inside singed? It's been there for days! <laughs> that was a clean a gallon you just chugged. I don't even know how you got that much liquid down your throat. Holy f***. You know what time it is. It is like 10.30 p.m. We have, our, the podcast is done. We just recorded for three hours. Thank you for listening. We've, we've got this. approximately two minutes to end. There was no need. This Do you know what a caffeine overdose is? What an investigation. That was massive. You know, as we said, there's a couple big ones that we've been putting off for a while. Roswell was definitely one that we wanted to do justice for. Because, you know, we had a couple listeners who were... Um, <laughs> Fairly pointing out that, you know, we've, we get a lot of great suggestions and, you know, and I often will reply to people and say, hey, we would love to get around to that one. And I'm sure we will. Um, Absolutely. Just fantastic suggestions, you know, such as Roswell, such as uh, Mary Celeste last week. Um, but, you know, sometimes we like to take little detours and get to the masturbating ghost monkey of Athelhampton. Right. Priorities, people. Come on. Don't be insane. So we get there. We get there. We get there. Sometimes eventually. it takes 60 episodes, but we'll get there. Exactly. And I will say, if you enjoyed this episode in any capacity, then why not check out the This Paranormal Life Patreon, where from as little as $2 a month, you can get all of the research notes that we have talked about. You could be the one to crack the case and finally discover what's on that telegram. You could be the one to check out that mental map that just has an X with crash site <laughs> written on it. And then onward from $2, you get bonus episodes, merchandise. Check it out. It's a, it's a great way to support the show and get a little bit extra every month. And speaking of the Patreon, it is just about that time to send out a special thank you to all of the patrons who have uh, who have supported us thus far. And here, right. here's just some of the recent names. Thank you so much to Adam Varinsky. Adam Varinsky. Adam Varin Snowboard, whatever extreme sport you're into, Adam's there because he's one rad-ass dude. He's so rad he can contribute to Patreons. Thank you to Alex Turner. Jesus, the Alex Turner. I think so. Lead singer of the Frozen Monkeys. (laughs) Close. What was it? Cold ass? Cold ass chimps? I think it was Antarctic Bonobos. (laughs) Something like that. Antarctic... (laughs) What are those little marzipans? Marzipans? <laughs> marzipans! <laughs> Either way, thank you so uh, much, Alex. Thank you. Thank you to Robin Cook. Robin, cook me a meal. Uh, I'd like an extra helping of Patreon donations. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so really sorry. On the nose. I'm so sorry. I'm so tired. Wait, what was his name? Robin. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Robin, for the for the donation. Sorry, I'm tired and I'm poor. <laughs> Thank Sometimes you, I just spit out the first thing I think. Thank you, Robin. <laughs> Is this the fact you lost it as soon as you said it? Thank you to Courtney Lynn. Courtney Lynn there done that. That being contributed to the This Paranormal Life Patreon. Cause she done that. Thanks, Courtney. Thank you to Luke Henderson. Luke the Spook. That's right, half man, half demon, all ghost. <laughs> he is, he's a paranormal beast that I hope we will cover one day on this very show. Thank you to Isaac Reeves. You ever been to Roswell, Isaac? You remind me of someone I, I read about in Roswell. Maybe you know him? Three foot gray. <laughs> What are you trying to say? I'm trying to call him out. I know he was there. Isaac, look, no pressure, but if you want to get in touch, this paranormal life podcast at gmail.com. His email address says uh, 95 at gmail.com. So, I mean, right. He's probably really young. 95 could be anything. That could be the model of spaceship he came down in, for all I know. Thank you to Michael M. Why won't he give us his last name? That's weird. You got something to hide? You hiding something, Michael M? Whistleblower ass. Anyway, thank you so much for the uh, the contribution to the Patreon. I hope one day we'll be close enough friends that I can discover your, your second name. <laughs> Mr. M. No, I'm not happy to wait, actually. F*** it. I need to know now. <laughs> thank you to Andrew Crisp. Andrew Crisp. What's the flavor? Cheese and onion or truth and vinegar? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Smoky truth. Uh, thank you so much for your contribution. You are a great man. You are a delicious crisp. And we appreciate your support. This is you talking to the Tato man. <laughs> You're a soldier, a friend, a delicious crisp most of all. I'd be honored if you'd be my son's godfather. <laughs> Thank you too, Rob Sheriff. Yeehaw, Rob Sheriff. You're the you're the you're the one who looks after this here town. I know we were talking about handing out jobs in the paranormal commune, so Absolutely. You know what, Rob? You got dibs on Sheriff. I'm, we're not really sure what that position is going to hold. You know, what your actual priorities are going to be. But if you've got a gun, you're a shoo-in. Yeah, absolutely. A- anyone who has any form of weapon, nunchuck, halberd, you're invited into the commune. Yeah, you're, you pr- you're promoted automatically to law enforcement. Absolutely. Regardless of background check. There will be no background <laughs> checks. Because you know how you make a safe space... You get all the weapons. Listen. And once you've got all the weapons, no one's going to f*** with you. I've been saying this, you know, ever since I was a kid. You know, uh, uh, an, a loaded society, an armed society is a polite society, okay? <laughs> and this part of our life, secret society is the most polite society of all. Because we're all f***ing dangerous. Armed to the teeth. We are the last people you'd want to have guns. <laughs> and yet we have them. Last but not least... A special thanks to Marcus Hennehan. Marcus, or as I call him, Mark the Shark. Do you know why? Because when you know when a when a uh, drop of blood hits the ocean, a shark attacks it with 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 high velocity, and Mark is that shark, but with paranormal evidence. Wow! A drop in the ocean, and he attacks it Jesus. with his pen, his notepad, his katana. Whatever paranormal equipment he needs to solve the mystery. That's what they say, you know, the pen is mightier than the shark. (laughs) So thank you, Mark the Shark, for your contribution. Thank you so much to everyone we have shouted out uh, from the Patreon thus far. If you haven't heard your name just yet, that's because it's coming. Don't worry, we will get to you. And I think that basically wraps up the case of Roswell. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And as always, we will be back next Tuesday with a brand new paranormal case. Thank you for listening. Remember to praise Ra, live fast, investigate, and die young. Thank you and good night. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.